Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 63. It's been 23 weeks exactly since I began my experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Can you believe it? 23 weeks, that's like almost six months, wow. I really can't believe it and I just want to thank all of you that have started from day one and continued with me all the way through on this journey and also want to welcome those of you that are starting today. You know, if you want to go back to podcast number one and listen to my life for the last six months, that's very, very usual. If you just want to jump in with both feet today, that's also okay because this podcast is just me telling you where I am in my journey to overcome binge eating and to learn intuitive eating and to make peace with food. That's really where it is. And each day that you listen to, we have different thoughts and feelings by me, comments from other brave companions. And uh, I think you can get something from any day that you jump into. Today, I want to give a welcome and shout out to two new brave companions who heard me on Alan Standish's show, Progress Not Perfection. I also want to give some reactions from some of our usual brave companions who like to participate. I also want to talk some more about my fear of giving up the scale and some great input that I got around that topic as I asked for last time. I'm going to give a shout out right now to Sandy and Sue for supporting Crystal, my one of my original Brave Companions who so helped me on my birthday quest to eat better and who posted her Brave Brave story on who are the Brave Companions. So when we come back from listening to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward and I think about what I'm gonna let go of today, we're going to have some more stuff, some more shout outs, and I think my topic is going to be all about intuitive exercise. I so love listening to Josh's song, I'm Letting Go. And for new Brave Companions who might just be now listening to me for the first time because you heard of me from Alan Standish's show or through other means, I want you to know that Josh Woodward is a very generous, wonderful person. And you can go to the show notes on any one of my shows. Like today would be compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day, D-A-Y 63 slash. And on the credits portion, there's a link to Josh's website, and you can download I'm Letting Go for absolutely free. All you have to do is sign up for his email list, and I swear to you, he does not spam you. He only ever emails you when he has something to say. You can also buy the whole album that that song is on for $5. I did, and I love every single song, but I thank him for being so generous and letting us use I'm Letting Go on this show without charging me any kind of commercial licensing fee whatsoever. He's a very generous man, and I love this song. And now I get kind of long-winded. What usually happens is I do my intro, I listen to this inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go, and it brings something to my mind about what do I need to let go of now? 
because I found in my journey to try to make peace with food, get over my fear of food, and to learn how to connect with people, that a lot of it is me letting go of my protections, what Alan calls my, my protective armor. What do I need to let go of in order to move forward with my quest of having a better life, free of fear of food, where I can love and enjoy food and connect with people? And today what really came to mind when I listened to I'm letting go is that I need to give up my unrealistic dream, my fantasy lorry, the one that somehow is hallelujah up in the clouds at a perfect weight that everybody loves, that doesn't screw up, that is somehow okay. This dream, Lori, has been in my mind for years and years, probably ever since I was a little kid, and realized that real Lori wasn't acceptable <laughs> to many, many people in my life. At least that was my impression, how I felt. And as we've talked about before, I really, really internalized that real Lori is bad. And if only I could change, especially my weight, if Dream Lori could become thin and make mommy proud and make daddy proud and be more like the other kids who were not overweight, that I would be okay. And so I kind of put a Dream Lori in the cloud in heaven or out in the far, far future of someday, that, that someday when I finally eat right, when I finally stop screwing up, when I finally get everything perfect, I will step into Dream Lori and it will become a reality. Now, there's nothing wrong with visualizing your goal. In fact, that's a very strong technique. You can visualize success in whatever you're trying to do, like visualize being calm as you ask for a raise after you've done a study on why you should be getting a raise. You can visualize, you know, that you're not going to overeat in a certain situation. You can visualize that you're going to choose what you eat well. You can visualize feeling calm and having confidence. Those are techniques and tools for success. But I'm talking about this feeling that I am not okay as I am and that dream future Lori is okay, all right? Like, there's nothing at all wrong. If I decided right now, Brave Companions, to hack with intuitive eating, I'm going back on some diet, and I am going to lose 30 pounds because, to me, it's more important that I drop weight to get to a particular scale number because of my bicycle goals, let's say, or for any other reason, that that's my goal. There's nothing wrong with that in my mind if that's what I wish to do. Okay, that doesn't make me bad right now because I'm not doing that. And it doesn't make me bad if I choose to do that. It means that where I feel that I want to be in my life isn't where I want to be. And that's the part that I need to let go of because no matter what I'm doing, I have proven over and over and over that I can have willpower for years. <laughs> and you don't lose 130 pounds on Weight Watchers without having willpower for years. Okay, also when I stuck with the body for life for six months in a row, my goodness, that amount of working out is tough, let me tell you. I did that through determination and drive. So yes, I can control my poor body and my poor self, and I can sustain mental focus for a very long time. But imagine my disappointment when what came from that wasn't peace and happiness and feeling like I stepped into that future dream lorry. 
I felt disappointed because the Lori that I got in that moment did not match up to heavenly dream Lori who is supposed to solve all of my problems. And that's because that's impossible. There is no way for a current physical Lori to absolutely turn into this mythical dream Lori who's not only has a great body, but knows everything to say correctly in every situation, who can accomplish any task with being fantastically good and having great grace and humility and never saying anything stupid and always being everyone's friend in exactly the right way. That Lori can never, ever exist. And the only Lori that I can ever have is really the Lori that I have right now in whatever moment I'm living in. And right now that Lori weighs over 200 pounds, has a lot of skin issues from rosacea, has teeth that are going dark from having tetracycline as a youth. And I mean, I got a lot of physical attributes that in the past would have made me too ashamed to ever take a selfie, let alone the string of selfies that I've put up there for you guys to see you know and I have to admit sometimes I go like oh man Lori what are you doing putting these pictures of yourself but I do it to remember that this is the Lori of that moment this is the Lori of that day whatever she weighed whatever she looked like whether it was a good day or a bad day whatever it was that was the Lori that I'm recording and she's okay as she is that's what I really need to let go of today is Dream Lori, while it's a nice story to tell myself, the one I really need to appreciate is the Lori of today who has the courage to do whatever she needs to in this exact moment to make her life better. Okay, before we get on into our topics and comment conversations from Brave Companions and new Brave Companions, I want to give a couple of thank yous. First of all, to my Amazon shoppers. There's been at least one more of you purchased something from Amazon.com in America. And in the UK, I don't know if that was Sue or some other UK shoppers, but you've been purchasing some things over there. So, you know, it isn't the few pennies or pounds that I might receive from that that means so much to me, though, you know, I really appreciate it. It's the fact that you care enough to actually come through my website link in order to support the show financially, that you took the time to do that. I just really appreciate it, and I'm touched and amazed, and I want to thank you so much. And to that end, I don't think I'm ever going to mention this again, but if some of you feel like throwing a little bit of financial support my way, I put a buy me a cup of coffee button on the website, which you can give me $5 US through PayPal. Now, if you can't afford to give me $5 or don't feel like giving me $5 for nothing, I completely understand. You know, I have no expectation of that. But like we talked about before in one of my shows where I was saying, I feel weird, you know, asking for any money ever. I'm just putting it there so if any one of you ever feels like, yes, I'm going to contribute $5 to the podcast, you can. And that was really tough because it makes me feel like a beggar, you know. <laughs> it makes me feel like, oh, please, please, please give me some money. And that's not the point of it. If you do it, I appreciate it. If you don't, I'm not disappointed. I just wanted to, how do I put this? I didn't want to stop myself from receiving any kind of support that you might wish to give because I'm making assumptions about if I'm worthy. 
Okay, that's not up for me to decide what you want to do. And that's what I'm trying to get at. That's there for you to decide, and, and I really don't care if zero of you do it. If any of you do it, I appreciate it. But the bravery part for me was taking the chance and actually just putting it there and saying, I'm okay with letting you make that decision. Does that make sense? I have to tell you, this is one of those pathetic moments for me. And I'm not saying that to try to manipulate you. I really, I'm breaking out kind of in a sweat to even say that. And so I promise you, I'm probably never, ever, ever going to mention it again unless any of you decide to do it, then I'll probably say thank you. But let me go on to something a little more pleasant, in my view anyway. last episode was a bonus episode because I just could not wait to hike up the mountain and listen to my interview with Alan Standish on progress, not perfection. And for those of you who haven't heard that interview yet, it was really fun and I think it was a good one. It's Alan's episode number 42 and I will put the link one more time on today's show notes, day 63. And so many good things came out of doing that interview. Number one, I got to know Alan Standish better as we've been communicating prior to that interview and ever since I've done the interview with him. I've really gotten to know him via email and, and through contact more. And he is such a delightful person, so genuine, so humble. I really love him. And that was like bonus cool thing number one. Number two, as I mentioned before, I learned how great it is to actually have that moment of trust where I let him make all the calls, make all the decision of how that interview was going to turn out. He picked the parts that he kept, the parts he got rid of, and how he edited his show. And he made me sound really, really good. So I thank Alan for that. And I'm proud of myself. I put myself on the bravery report that I did take that hands-off approach, had that trust, and allowed that to occur because for such a control freak as me, a perfectionist to my core, Alan will agree that's a really tough thing to do. Number three, Stefano heard me on that podcast and so emailed me again. Hi Stefano, I was really glad to get your email and I'm glad that you were listening and I hope you come back to listening here to Compulsive Overeating Diary and I hope that someday you might comment here on the website or maybe make my dreams come true, and record something on the Bravery Hotline, whether it's hello, a story, or participating in foolish fun. Anyhow, even if you don't do any of those, hi Stefano, and I was glad to hear from you. Number four, I got some really good comments and got some new Brave Companion listeners who came because they heard me on Alan's podcast, and I thought that was really cool. And the first one is named Donnie, and she comes from my home state, Washington. She lives in Spokane, and this is some of the things that Donnie had to say. Lori, I'm super uber thrilled to have happened upon you. I'm a follower of Alan Standish, and when I heard you, I went right away, and I've been a binge listener to all of your podcasts. I'm such an all-or-nothing black-and-white do-gooder that I had to go to number one, laughing out loud. I've listened to 52 of them in the last few days. Wowzer, I'm so thankful I did. I feel like we are friends, like I know you. Your messages, your life, your living is just so real, like it is awesomely amazing. 
Well, now I'm breaking into that comment. Well, thank you, Donnie. On any days that I feel down and crummy about what I do, I'm going to reread this comment because that made me feel really good. Like I said to you, uh, I don't feel really amazing. I'm just kind of a normal lady that likes to talk a whole lot. But I want you listeners to hear the rest of her story. This is Donnie now. I have lost 260.2 pounds on Weight Watchers. This past May was my two years at Gold Milestone as a lifetime Weight Watchers member. Although I've gained around 20 pounds, much needed, I have since acquired overeating binge-like behaviors that I never had before. I acquired this severe obsession with food, diet weight, to which I now call diet hell prison. I'm slowly, in the last six months or so, finding my way, and she spells it W-E-I-G-H, he, 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 out of that again. I'm so thankful to you and what you do. Many a listens I'd cry because I wanted to run to the computer and say, hey, you're doing great things, when you say you feel alone or inadequate and you wondered if or what your messages were doing or serving to others, etc., laughing out loud. But of course, I had to finish listening. I'm excited to become part of your comrades. And then in a second email, Donnie gives me permission to share this and tells me how she appreciates the tip from Kendra about eating a bit more protein when feeling these, these hungry feelings that just don't quit. And then she went on to say, I too am really, really, really moved by your newfound motto of releasing yourself from a goal, but instead finding where, how, what makes you feel good. I need this motto. You're amazing, just saying, and officially, I will now call myself a binge listener. I've never listened so much to anything. It's like I couldn't stop. Scary crazy. And I think it was episode 50, maybe 51, where you talked about having to have something to do, somewhere to go planning about, thinking about, because just being means as good a reason as any to just eat. Oh my, that's me. It sure gave me something to think about. Well, thanks, Donnie. I think the episode you're talking about there was episode 51, the fear of the lull. And I think that that's true even today. If I don't have something on my calendar, if I don't have something on my agenda, I can still have those feelings of, hmm, let's bake something or let me go out to dinner. Not because I'm really in the mood to go out to lunch or dinner, but because I'm trying to fill my time with the, the familiar glue of food or thoughts of food or the reverse, thinking about dieting. I find that when my thoughts go to dieting or binging or even for cooking, and I love to cook and I'm a fairly decent cook, I have to pay attention to, is this truly my impulse right now like am I actually hungry for Mexican food or have I really been thinking about this new technique in cooking that I've been wanting to try or is this really me avoiding cleaning my house or me having hurt feelings because of something my friend did or did not say what's going on with that and for me that sort of what we call the boredom feeling that lull feeling the time when you have to be alone with your thoughts is something that's been very tough for me to deal with. I'm kind of learning it by trying to take advantage of meditation and checking in and taking some deep breaths. That's helping me a little bit to tolerate having my own thoughts. So Donnie, thanks so much for communicating with me and we're so happy that you joined us here as one of our brave companions. Another new listener and brave companion who found me via Alan's podcast was Garden Girl KP, 
She's a successful weight maintainer with over two years at her goal and who has a great blog about her experience as Garden Girl on Blogspot. And she first commented to me on Facebook. And by the way, while I'm talking about Facebook, hi Jody. Jody is a, a regular Brave Companion who comments to me and likes my posts on Facebook. She's been on vacation and now she's back walking around her parking garage before work. <laughs> or during work time. And I just want to say, hi, Jody. So when you hear this podcast, you will feel loved and warm because that's how you make me feel. Now back to Garden Girl KP. Her first comment on Facebook was, really enjoyed your podcast with Progress Not Perfection Daily, Lori. I could relate to a whole lot of it. I've subscribed to your podcast and I'm happy to add you to my podcast lineup. Looking forward to taking that walk with you. Stay cool in those hills. It's hot even down here on the coast of San Diego. Well, how lucky is she to live on the coast in San Diego? I have to tell you, Brave Companions, that's a beautiful part of California. And if it's hot as blazes and humid like it is right here today in my normal park, I have to say that I am jealous of those beautiful ocean breezes that can come down in lovely San Diego. But a big shout out to you, Garden Girl. Congratulations on your ongoing success with maintenance because trust me, I know that that is not easy and I totally respect how well you've done and the information that you've been sharing about the ways that you do that and I think that's just awesome. Now, new Brave Companions and first-time listeners weren't the only ones who had something to say about the interview that I did with Alan. Cheryl says, I loved your interview with Alan Standish, by the way. Hearing the two of you together kind of gave substance to the whole podcasting world. That was really cool. And Stephanie aus Deutschland, Stephanie from Germany, says, Hey, Lori, just finished listening to your and Alan's latest podcast and really enjoyed them. Laughed when you said some listeners think your life is a reality show. In fact, I think maybe I am one of them. I wasn't sure whether to congratulate Alan for getting Lori Weaver on his show or whether to congratulate you for having made it there. I guess both of you are turning out to become some sort of binge-eating celebrities. Take that, Hollywood. I think it's awesome how you guys are putting yourselves out there to help people. Weiter so. German, that means keep going. And I want to tell you, Stephanie aus Deutschland and Cheryl, that I emailed these comments to Alan, and he was absolutely thrilled. And Brave Companion, he wants to interview me again, and he asked me to ask you, the Brave Companions, what topics would you like us to explore together? So if you have some ideas for how Alan should shape his next interview with me, post your ideas on today's show notes, day 63, or email me at laurie at diary.com. You can tweet me at AdventureLaurie or post on Facebook. Or, best of all, if you want to go on the Bravery Report, record on the Bravery Hotline so Alan could edit you into his show. Anyone willing to go on the Bravery Report for that? Call 206-350-6445. And again, if you come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, you will see the phone number and you will see all of the ways that you can contact me on that. So all you really need to remember is compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. And by the way, if you haven't heard my interview on Alan's show, it's his episode 42. And Brandy, hello, I gave you a shout out on his show during that interview. And that was because we recorded it right after you did your stellar phone call on the Bravery Hotline. And I'll leave the link to it again on today's show notes. Okay, I went up the mountain to talk about my reaction to Alan's interview and then... I went right away into what's been on my mind, the grand scale debate 
I begged you guys for some more insight because the part of me that is practicing intuitive eating and trying to make peace with my food and trying to let go of my dependence on what my body size is, is just fighting like the dickens with my myself that has gotten weight every single day for as long as I can remember and recorded my weight every single week for as long as I can remember and I just am having the heck of a time giving it up. So I really asked you guys for some feedback and I really appreciate it because remember I told you I got a new listener from successful weight maintainer Garden Girl on Facebook and she provided some helpful insight into my scale issue. Ah, the scale thing. I've done both. 40-year yo-yo dieter until 2012. One of the things I do every morning is hop on the scale, weigh in, record on my fitness pal, and go on with my day. No judgment, no shame, no blame, pure data, and three-plus-year data graph. That's it. Data. Done. Avoiding the scale opens the door to my slippery slope, thinking, weight gain, and binging. It's a tool. I use it. Good luck on deciding what to do. When I decided to use the scale daily, it, it came recommended by a close friend in real life and a book author who is an MD and a U.S. expert in weight maintenance. Then I used my own success to decide to keep the scale and how I would use the data. I noticed that my weight would jump after each time I had nuts. I realized I had migraines after I ate nuts. Weight was inflammation. Boom. 30 years of migraines ended last summer. It's a tool. That's it. Feel free to share it if it helps. Feel free to discard this idea. Everyone else too, if it doesn't work for you. Customizing your template is key. So bravo and onward. This is what I said. Yes, I agree with you. I've kept records for years about my weight. It may be the former database developer in me that can't stand to lose my data points. I'm still wrestling with what I truly want to do inside. I don't think I should give up the scale to follow a rule in a book, and I'm very much of the see what works for you camp since I've done so many things regarding my weight over the last 50 years. However, I can see that releasing the scale, at least for a time, would be a good thing for what I'm trying to accomplish psychologically. Weight issues and compulsive eating binge issues are tied, but have different goals when working on one or the other. I'm working on overcoming the eating behaviors and getting to the root of the underlying issues right now. As for me, I've discovered the emotional component is almost all of my overeating triggers. As part of this, I'm learning to be okay with my body as it is. I've been so many sizes, and none of them really made me any happier. Thinner was convenient and fun for shopping, but I got there externally, over and over and over. I have maintained almost 100 pounds off for about 12 or 13 years, but my body seems to like my current weight, so I'm really torn. I think it may be a symptom that my urge to diet isn't really gone just yet, and I think it makes sense since I've been in the diet binge cycle for so long. I'm not used to staying the same. Thanks so much for your thoughts. As you can see, you triggered me to dig deeper to examine what's up for me, and I really, really appreciate it. Well, what I super appreciate about Garden Girl is that even though the scale is a very important tool for her successful maintenance, this is her reply to me. If you stopped weighing yourself, you could still have data points, but the data curves would be smoother, might be one way to think of it. And as she said in her original comment, even though she has discovered that what she's doing works really, really well for her, both her diet plan, the kinds of foods that she eats, and this, her daily weighing, she doesn't tell me that that's what I should do. Because it works for her, that's great. But she's not 
saying that that is the experience that's going to be true for me. Now, if I went over to her blog and I looked at what she did and I said, that's something I want to try, then I might do that and find that I too have some success. Or I might find that what she's doing, just for whatever reason, doesn't work for me right now or ever. And I think that's a really, really important point, Brave Companions, is that we're here on this journey together that we're all trying to have a healthier relationship with food and our bodies, however we try to accomplish that. For me right now, I'm really working with my therapist and trying to get to the psychological bottom of this. I'm trying to go more at my underlying issues rather than some of the external ways that I've done in the past to lose weight. And that's what I'm doing. But to be honest with you, even a year ago, that wouldn't have flown with me. It wouldn't have made me happy. It would have stressed me out. And there are times when I've used one kind of diet plan or another or one kind of food thing or another. Or at one time, my doctor put me on a specific food plan for certain reasons. And I stuck to it because that's what I needed to do. So medically, sometimes we don't have a choice about what we need to follow or what we're going to do. But we are living creatures, and what we do in one day might not resonate with us a year later, or two years later, or 10 years later. And what I'm learning in my 50 years of dealing with these, not only the robot alien binge feelings, but just the feelings of low self-worth and my feeling of being out of control and wanting to control something, and using food to do that, I've learned that I need to be gentle with myself and really try to get to know myself so that I can make good judgments about what's true for me right now. And as part of that, I try to be extremely open-minded and listen with an open heart and mind to the experience of others because sometimes their experience does resonate with me to the extent that I want to try it or see how I think about that. And that's always in my book a good thing. But an even better thing is when we can then validate how does that feel with who we are and what our goals are for ourselves. Is this really a good match? Is this really a good system for me at this time? How did it turn out for me? Do I like it? What's my resistance to it really true? Like here, I'll give you an example. Let's say that somewhere down the road, it becomes wildly known that eating a diet based on seafood is the best thing in the world to do, and that is what almost everybody subscribes to. That's what you should do is eat seafood. Well, if I did that, I would be out of luck because my body does not process seafood, most seafoods or shellfish or things like this, but even the fish, besides not tasting well, I don't process it well. It makes me extremely ill. I puff up, I have reaction, and I get nauseous. Even the smell of seafood is enough to give me maybe a psychological reaction, but I just don't deal with it. So even if my doctor showed me that I would add 10 years to my life through eating a regular diet of seafood, I think I would say, you know, doctor, I would love to have 10 years of life, but I wouldn't like to have one day in my life where I feel like I feel eating seafood. So that's an example. It may be extreme, but I really do want to encourage you to feel how you feel 
And if you try these various techniques, then evaluate for yourself, and maybe with the help of your own doctor, how this is doing for you psychologically and physically. Then Cheryl kind of followed the same path as Garden Girl and gave me her thoughts on the scale issue. This is going to sound like an off-the-wall question in light of all the books recommending that we put scales away, but something stirred in me when you made the comment about the scales being a security blanket. Here's the question. Is it so wrong to use the scales as a security blanket, read that guide, when you are working on managing your weight? Granted, there are a lot of people that allow those numbers to define them and the success or failure of their efforts, but what if we really need to do is change the character of our relationship with the scale and stop telling ourselves it's a bad thing that we get weighed every day? The more we tell ourselves that we shouldn't be doing that, the more we're likely to need to do it. Isn't that just a human reaction? I think I may be an exception to the rule, but I don't think I let the scale affect my mood. I know before I step on that thing pretty much whether I'm going to be up or down. I can tell by the way my body feels, and I'm guessing most of us can. But I have the advantage of needing to use the scale as a tool to help in regulating my diabetes, so I don't think I've internalized my feelings about the scale in the way most people have. So do you think it's possible to make peace with the scale and have them be part of your daily routine? And I said, thanks for giving me another side to consider, Cheryl. Question, is it so wrong to use the scale as a security blanket when you're working on managing your weight? I thought about that, and I said, everything you pose here I agree with. I think the struggle I'm having is that technically I'm not trying to manage my weight. Giving up what you weigh on a day-to-day -day basis is part of letting go of the dieting mentality. That is the true sticking point. I can see how this idea that my weight slash body size is unimportant compared to learning to deal with my life in more healthy ways than I have in the past with my disordered eating behaviors. However, the desire to be smaller, thinner is so ingrained in me, I'm making progress, but I'm really having a tough time feeling it's okay to either stay the same or go up a few more pounds. This is my tough, tough, tough psychological dilemma. I think the scale and my dependence on it are keeping me stuck in between worlds. When I was dieting, I could weigh myself without too much pain, as I do understand how the scale sucks as any indicator of fat loss or short-term progress. I keep a pretty even keel there. It is a security blankie for me. I don't want to go to school, says the scared five-year-old inside. But the good news is, I'll most likely be ready when I'm ready, and all of this discussion around the scale issue is really helping me clarify what's important to me. I'll keep on pondering. Hugs and thanks again for all of your support and caring. And brave companions, I think that's really the crux of it. Just like, you know, the robot aliens come to encourage me to binge because I invite them in in order not to feel whatever I want to feel. That's really what the robot aliens do for me. They let me turn off my mind. Except for now, ever since I do this show, if the robot aliens come in, I find my mind is now trained to say, huh, the robot aliens are here, I wonder why. So that kind of screwed me for the robot aliens as a relief, right? But also, I forgot what I was gonna say now. <laughs> I'll have to stop this and re-listen to it. Hang on. Oh, 
I just hate those senior moments or accident moments or whatever it is that makes my brain go and freeze. Thank goodness I'm recording these thoughts and can go listen to it. Okay, to go back to my point, the robot aliens now are a signal to me. I don't despair because I feel the urge to binge. I think about what does that mean? And it's helped me to go underneath the binge feelings and to address many of the issues. And so I don't need to get that binge feeling as often. And the same with my struggle around the scale. I don't think it's really an issue of should I get weighed or should I not get weighed? Is it important that I give up the scale or not? But my resistance to giving up that scale and me asking for help from you all to examine this resistance is the real deal. What does that mean? Why do I feel it? Because honestly, brave companions, let's say that I give up the scale and I'm going to weigh a certain weight tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And my weight is going to be that weight whether I hop on the scale and know what that weight is or not. Now, I think Garden Girl makes a good point. When I was maintaining my weight with Weight Watchers, I could get on the scale and if it was up, I would then change my diet or my exercise to try to bring my weight down. So if I'm dieting, or exercising or using techniques in order to make my weight change one way or another, then the scale is a very useful tool. And I am in the National Weight Loss Registry. That is the study of long-term maintainers. So I know that for long-term maintainers, getting weighed daily is a valuable tool. But that's because the long-term maintainers are usually in the category I described before, if they're going up in their weight, they're then taking diet-like steps to bring their weight down in some way, okay? And those people that have been maintaining for years, that is kind of what they do. I've never heard, though I don't say it's impossible, I've never heard of somebody that's lost a lot of weight that just kind of naturally maintains that weight loss. It might be possible. You know, there's some people out there who may be put on weight because they really do have bad reactions to some type of nutrients, and when they change their diet to something different, then they don't need to worry about it. But I don't know those people personally. For me, the people I know of that have had long-term weight maintenance success do use these quantifying tools and count their calories or their exercise or do things like that to pay attention. That's been my experience. And again, I don't say that that's the universal truth. That's just what I've run into. And for me, because I've had these issues with compulsive overeating and binge eating for so many years, 50 years of it, I no longer feel able to live my life in a world where I'm quantifying myself any longer. I've had somewhat long-term success in my own life. I've had times where I've kept the weight off for a few years. I've even, like I said, I've, I was over 300 pounds when I started Weight Watchers, and now I'm like around 209. I've been 208, 209 now for a couple of months. So I've kept, oh, what'd that be, like 90 pounds off for 12 or 13 years now. I started losing that weight when I was 40 and finished when I was 42. Then I kept 125 pounds of that off for two years. 
then I went up to almost 200, went up and bounced around. And then this, this last time when I started the show and was up to 225, that was the most I've weighed since I lost the weight with Weight Watchers when I was 40. And I think that's what scared the bejesus out of me is I could see that 300 pounds just coming on me like gangbusters. But I wasn't using intuitive eating. I was just eating everything. I was eating out of loneliness. I was eating out of companionship when my husband retired. I was eating out of confusion about who am I and what do I do and what am I worth now that I'm no longer working. I had all of these weird entangled emotions plus an eating buddy with my husband. And all of that piled on 23 extra pounds on me in six months and I didn't notice. I didn't notice even though I get weighed every day. I did, I get weighed every day and somehow I just didn't notice what that weight was doing to my body. So it wasn't like a conscious choice of being okay with it. Like, oh, okay, well, I love what I'm eating. I love what we're doing. I love spending time with my husband. And so, you know, so what if I weigh 225, I'm okay with it. That wasn't the case. I kind of put myself into a body oblivion state ate over all my feelings and fears. And then when Mark took a picture of me, and I think you can see it on my blog in the aha moment or oh my God moment. <laughs> it's one of my blog posts. You can see the picture of me in this reclining chair with my cat tiger on my back, which Mark thought was such a cute picture. And I saw what I actually look like externally in the real world versus what's in my, my dream head of what I was looking like. And that shocked me. That shocked me into the, I don't want to live like this. And so I immediately kind of went back on a diet because that's what I know what to do. Get on a diet right away and lose some weight. But I didn't feel good on my diet. And I realized that I had all these feelings turning around. And that's why I put my recorder on on day one and walked out my door and started recording my feelings in order for me to learn what was up with me that was causing me to eat enough to put on 23 pounds without noticing. And that was the start of Compulsive Overeating Diary. Since then, throughout the days of these last months, I've, I've given up dieting. I've gone more towards intuitive eating, and I've shared with you my progress there. So I am pretty happy with what's gone on in the last six months. I definitely feel better in my body. But before I go on with today's topic, which is the difference in my exercise behavior since I've been doing this intuitive eating stuff, I do want to read a couple more comments about the scale and the scale challenge that Stephanie from Quebec set up a few weeks ago. Stephanie found it was too tough due to her hectic life at the moment, and she also lets us know why she's not commenting as much as usual. Hey BCs, I wish I had time to comment in a lengthy and thorough way, but I lack time with major home improvements going on, so I'll be listening and supporting in thoughts. Sue, how's your 10-day challenge going? And then Sue says, Hi Stephanie, having spent several days thinking I can't weigh myself because I agreed not to, I have now passed the date without noticing. However, it's been a bad few weeks with eating, so I have no desire to upset myself with the evidence. Timetabling has finished, and I am now working for long periods on my own always a time that I dislike, and I am so much more tempted to eat more biscuits than I should. We too are about to have some work done on our house. Our kitchen's being replaced, and as the floor and walls also need repair, we are going to be without a functioning kitchen for the rest of this month. 
My asthma is playing up and increased dust will not help. It may well be a blessing that I spend most of my day at work. Well, Sue, I tell you, it sounds in a way that we're all kind of dealing with some of the same issues. Some of us use the scale to kind of keep track of what we're doing. And when we give up the scale, we sort of feel like, ha ha, I can do what I like. And I think it is true that for the most part, even those that are practicing intuitive eating, when they give up that scale and give up dieting, we kind of put on some weight. That's kind of what we do. Our body wants to put on some weight too sometimes from having a history of dieting. And that can be kind of freaky. The other point I want to make is both Stephanie and Sue are having kitchen renovations. Man, oh man, what a pain. Now, when we were remodeling our house, we had minor kitchen renovations, but we too, and this was part of that time that put some weight on me, we too went out to dinner a lot or got takeout a lot because we were without a working kitchen. And that feeling of not being in control was also a big contributor to me to having some problems with eating more, I think. Anytime I feel I'm out of control and I have to do stuff because others are telling me I need to or there's nothing I can do about it, you know, is tough for me. And also for your asthma, I so get that. I suffer terribly from allergies. And now when the workmen were in my house, it was terrible. I had to wear like one of those masks, you know, like those, like you see in the hospital, I had to wear like those dust masks around in my home. And that was kind of creepy for me. I didn't enjoy that. Though I will say to you both, I think you will super enjoy it once the work is done. Before I wrap up recording this show and start walking home up the hill on this hot and humid day, I did want to talk to you a little bit about intuitive exercising. Stephanie from Quebec gave us a good link a few episodes ago to an article about how in the modern age we are self-quantifying everything we do. It isn't just the scale, but also like I have a Fitbit and also when I ride on my bike, I have a bike computer that lets me know how fast I'm going and what my cadence is and how long I'm exercising and all of this. And Stephanie from Germany had also commented how if when she's doing her runs, if she's not recording that mileage, she feels like it doesn't count. And I think in the modern age, more and more of us are depending on these devices to tell us what is our calorie count or what's our rate, what's our speed. And we're kind of making external goals about that. I know I've done it. I say, oh, I want to break, you know, my average. I, when I do my hill work up from the Rose Bowl of Pasadena to Descanso, I've just been trying and trying to get a 13-mile-an-hour average because when I'm coming down the hill, man, I'm doing like 25 miles an hour, but going up that hill, I tell you, if I break 8 miles an hour, that's a miracle. So I know that if my average is ever more than 13 miles an hour, that I've made improvement in my speed going up the hill. But you know what? I don't find myself enjoying my exercise on the days that I'm really trying to strive to make my bike computer do what I want. Like when I'm looking at it and saying, oh, I need to go 20 miles an hour right now. Let me like let me just really pedal faster until I can get 20 miles an hour more. Now, sometimes I like to employ like the interval training 
where you go as fast as you can for a minute or two and then you slow off because that does increase your cardio endurance and helps your muscles to improve and you know I think that's one thing but for myself I noticed that I was getting completely wrapped into how many calories was I burning what was my heart rate monitor saying what were all of these things and it, and exercise was not fun and I think I was also over exercising not not like I did when I fell into exercise bulimia but over exercising for my body and I think that's why I was getting more injured because when you over exercise whether it's running and putting too much pain on your joints or you're bicycling too much or you're in the wrong gear and you're stressing your muscles when you're over exercising your body tends to rebel and you can get injured and then you're off from exercising for a while and I've done that over and over again because I was exercising according to what some outside mechanism was telling me what to do whether it was a training schedule that I found online or whether it was my trainer at the gym was telling me or I was paying attention to the mechanical devices that give me feedback about my performance. Well what I've been doing lately in addition to intuitive eating is exercising as I feel like it. So I have turned off my bike computer when I go up the hill. I just push as I feel like it like if I feel like well this is pretty easy I think I'm going to change my gear to make it a little more tough and see how that feels I do I go as fast as I like or don't like some days I feel like riding in a more slow manner so I can enjoy the view and the beautiful weather some days I feel like in my body what just wants to run like a rabbit I just feel like it I just want to pedal fast that's where my energy is that's what my food is giving me and I noticed that on different days, I feel like doing different stuff. Just like today, I thought, hmm, maybe I'll go hike up to do the podcast. And usually I love to hike, and I was up early enough to go hike up on the mountain. But, you know, I did bike riding yesterday, and my legs told me, we just don't feel like hiking today. I thought, well, what sounds good? I kind of feel like recording my podcast. I got a lot to say. And my body said, let's go walk down to the park because I walk down from my house and I sit here on my podcasting rock and I do this show and then I will take a lap around the park and then walk up the hill slowly as I listen to the show that I recorded. And that's what suited me today. And I can walk slow or fast, take a break, drink some water. And I gotta tell you, since I've been doing what I call intuitive exercising, just kind of exercising as my body would like, stopping when it wants, resting on days it feels tired, I love every single day of my exercise. I never have that dread that I used to get of, oh no, I have to get up and go to the gym, or oh no, I have to get on the bike, oh I don't want to. And honestly, when I was using exercise to lose weight, I had many more days where I did not enjoy it and I was doing it purely to aid my weight loss or because it was good for me or to try to make it so that I wouldn't have as much sagging skin with my massive weight loss. You know, other reasons, because you put some muscles in your arms, then you've got a little less sag. But you know, anymore, 
Maybe it's just a, because I'm getting a little bit older. I know I'm not super old, but to me, 55 is a lot older than 40, okay? I'm starting to get the feeling of I am what I am, and I've only got so much life left to live. You know, I've got less life to live than I've had in the past, and I don't want to live it doing stuff I don't want to do. I don't want to live it eating stuff I don't want to eat, and I don't want to live it forcing myself to do exercise that I don't want. Things I like to do, I do love to bike ride, I love to hike, and I love to take walks, I love to go swimming, but not so much in the pool as I like to go swimming in Hawaii. Now, who wouldn't like to go in Hawaii? But I like that feeling of the, of the warm waves and swimming around looking at the pretty fish. I love to go swimming in the water. So as we wrap up today, and I'm getting ready to take my walk back up the hill home, I'd like to give you a little challenge if you'd like it. And that is, see if sometime in the next week, there's some kind of exercise you would just like to do and see how that feels. If you're Stephanie in Germany, go take a run through some pretty park or something and just pay attention to whatever you see. Or, you know, take a slow bike ride if you'd like or go swimming if you like. See if there's something you can do that you just enjoy. And let me know. Post on day 63 and tell me, what kind of exercise did you do and how did it feel to just listen to yourself as you were doing it instead of paying attention to your pedometer or your Fitbit or the other methods that we use to quantify ourselves. Until next time, brave companions, take good care because I really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. Stop.